This podcast is part of the You Haven't Heard This Productions and Publications Network. For more great shows and blogs and vlogs, please visit www.yhhtmpc.com. I think that's what's so fun about this movie is that this is not a dystopian future that's set in, you know, 2050 or something. This could be basically tomorrow. I mean, this is kind of an uncomfortably close film about where, if we aren't careful, we could very easily go uh, in that technology is advancing us and giving us so much and empowering us in so many amazing ways you know, it's also handing over potentially huge amounts of information. And information is is power. I think even more than money, in a way. The voice that you just heard there was that of Emma Watson speaking about the 2017 film The Circle, which is based on the book by Dave Eggers, which was released in 2013, which will be the topic of today's show. And welcome to the Adapted to Screen podcast. This is a podcast where we take a book and we compare it with its on-screen counterpart. It's that simple. Each week, each week, each week, each month, joining me on the podcast, I have my co-host, Phil. Hello, Phil. How are you? Richie, hello again. How do you do? I'm all right. You're probably going to have to lead this one, Phil, because I'm absolutely fucked. I've been at work. I, that little intro you just heard there, I threw that together in about five minutes in, in a rush. So you're, you're probably going to end up doing all the talking on this one. I'm, I'm pretty much just the producer on this episode. I think I'm just going to sit back and listen to you talk. Oh, well, it's not that bad. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Which is a fantastic segue uh, to introduce our guest today, uh, Jason from the it's not that bad podcast jason welcome to the show oh thanks guys how are you guys doing today yeah great (laughs) (laughs) you're not that bad i get it i get it this yeah this is this is the level of uh, enthusiasm you get from our podcast uh, unfortunately jason we haven't like g'd ourselves up or anything it's just like jason's gonna get what he, what everyone normally gets whether you're a hollywood celebrity or whether you're just a, a standard podcaster who podcasts around the world it's yeah so oh, jason for the, the uh, uninitiated uh, tell us a little bit about who you are and what what it is you do well, I am Jason Whistle. I am the host of the It's Not That Bad podcast. Uh, we joke around that we look for A grades in B movies. Basically, the whole premise of the podcast is to take movies that have a very low or at least less than 60% Rotten Tomatoes critic score and then go through and try to find the good things to say about those films. Uh, much like this one, because I was actually surprised that this one was very low it was like in the teens as i recall so yeah basically that's what we do we break down the movies we have a lot of fun a lot of laughs i know philip has been on the show a couple of times uh you know it it really is a fun show to to co-host and you uh you've also covered this uh on your podcast as well haven't you jason which i haven't listened to only for fear of um skewing my opinion 
Well, you know, it's funny because when my wife and I uh, were going through the list of, you know, what do we want to cover? We we were like, well, let's find a Tom Hanks movie because there's no way the critics would hate a Tom Hanks movie. Uh, we were wrong. We found this. So when we when we watched this movie and did the episode, uh, we didn't even know that it was based on a book. So we watched the movie. And then I read the book afterwards, and then I actually oh. read the sequel to the book, which was Ooh. 2021's The Every. Um, so it's it's been I, I kind of did this in reverse from what you guys probably do. Well, sometimes I mean, yes, sometimes I think we we read the book first and watch the film, but sometimes we've watched the film and then realised there's a book, and then we have a look at it that way. I think sometimes I do neither. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. So, um, should we uh, should we crack on with the author bump? Yes, Phil. The author bump. <clears throat> okay, author bump. Uh, Dave Eggers, born March 12th, 1970, is an American writer, editor and publisher. He wrote the best-selling memoir, A Heartbreaking Work of Staggering Genius. Eggers is also the founder of Timmy McSweeney's Quarterly Concern, A Literary Journey, and co-founder of the Literacy Project 826 Valencia and the human rights non-profit Voice of Witness. He has done lots of different books in all kinds of formats, uh, such as novels, short stories, children books, non-fictions, and work editing. Some of his books, uh, teach, uh, the non-fiction Teachers Have Been Easy, The Big Sacrifices and Small Sacrifices of American Teachers. He's also done uh, children books, Giraffe Giraffes, Your Disgusting Head, Cold Fusion, <laughs> Cold Fusion uh, alongside novels, You Shall Know Our Velocity, Sacrament, The Wild Things, a hologram for a king, which I only, well, which popped up on one of my feeds earlier today, uh, and the circle, and as um, as Jason mentioned, the every, which was the 2021 sequel to the circle, which I have not read yet, I probably <coughs> do not want to. It's a sequel to what? Sorry. It's uh, the every is a sequel to the circle. Jason just mentioned that about three seconds ago, mate. Oh yeah. So that, does, that, <laughs> does that does that explain why the book The Circle ends so abruptly and shit? Um, well, I don't think so because I I kind of well uh, well we'll get to it later. But I I presumed when I started reading that there would be no ending, and there clearly wasn't. But like it was eight years later when he wrote that. So whether he went, oh, I better do. Go, I haven't read it, Jason. Is it a proper sequel with a proper ending? Uh, it actually is, but to the same token as well. Uh, much like the circle is one of those, you know, it's 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 an you know it's it's an unambiguous ending. It's basically like it's you know you can kind of picture where it goes. Whereas, and, and I'll kind of get into it a little bit. Obviously the circle is basically discount Google, if you will, the every where it picks up, it focuses on an entirely different person who is trying to bring down the company from within the every is what happens when, you know, the circle merges with a, a giant online uh, e-commerce website. So imagine if Google bought Amazon and created one massive company, that's what the Every is supposed to be. Uh, and it's a bit more, uh, you know, 
if you take a look at it from the effect of technology and the ease of technology on people's psyche and the way they handle their day to day, you know, the circle can be a bit bleak. The every can be very bleak. Um, but at the end, it, it ends similar to the circle in that one one story is not going to end the company. It's it's just a this this unstoppable force that is, you know, basically computerized online uh, commercialism. So, does the circle, the film, take elements from the every, 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 the every as well? Uh, no, because of course the 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 film came out in 2017, and then the every came out in 2021. Oh, did it? But what's interesting is that if you watch the movie and then you read the circle, you realize that the endings are entirely different. And I think some of that actually carries into uh, the theory of trying to tear down the every from within, which which goes into the next book. Uh, that's the thing. There are, when you watch the film and the book, there are scenes where you can sit there and say, okay, well, that's just copy-pasted into the script. And then yeah. you can see where it diverges completely. Yeah, it diverges uh, pretty much after the the car crash. Mm-hmm. Um. So do you, do you think maybe that the film inspired him to do the next book? I can see. And it's funny because in the every, they actually make a reference to a movie that was made about the circle kind of thing. So it's almost a little bit meta and you can tell it's definitely a book of its time because the time frame for which the every happens in happens after two consecutive pandemics. So you can see how, uh, the current global situation was probably weighing on Dave Eggers quite a bit as, you know, as he was writing this, um, you know, uh, there are a number of books that are, that are starting to come out where it's like, yep, you can tell exactly when they wrote this. Um, and it is one of those things where I, 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 as we were doing our research for our episode of the circle, you know, we kept on seeing these notes about how they were trying to make May, the character is played by Emma Watson, more likable. And I'm like, well, you have Emma Watson. She is a likable person. How are you? And then you read the book and you're like, oh, she wasn't supposed to be likable in the first place. So you're trying to make it more of a self-contained. You don't. It's kind of like World War Z. The original ending of World War Z was supposed to be this very, um, you know, downbeat of an ending. And then of course they're like, no, no, we can't end on that because that's just not good for movies. If you ended the circle, the movie, the way that they ended in the book, you'd have this silence in the theater. Kind of like people had at the end of infinity world. We're like, Oh, Oh, that just happened. Yeah. I think, I think the film, um, the, the circle got very bad ratings. I think I'd look on Amazon and think it got like one and a half, maybe two stars. I think if you put the ending of the book into the film, I, I, I think it'd have had half a star. Oh yeah. I mean, I was so, sorry, sorry to jump in there, Jason. Uh, I was, I was bored to tears by this book. It, I, I think I, I think I might have even wept at one point. It was just, <laughs> I was, uh, it's like, I think like, was it like the first four chapters and it was her walking into the circle 
it was like like 40 pages of a walking through the garden and then in the movie it was like two seconds and i was like motherfucker i've just like read like 40 pages of a walking up a fucking path and the film just goes there's that there's that there's that there's that and they're in the building she literally does that though doesn't she she literally just goes there's this there's that there's that there's the other right come on let's go Oh, he proper wound me up. I was like, I've invested time in this. I wanted to see what the garden looked like. I wanted to see all this stuff, not just get there, 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 there. It's outrageous. Sorry, Jason, I jumped in on you there. That's okay, but I think in, in talking about like the beginning of the the movie versus the beginning of the book, I think what the 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 book does well as opposed to the movie is that. Uh, the character of Annie Allerton is played by Karen Gillan in the film. When you watch the movie, it's basically like, well, Annie is May's friend on the inside who helps her get a job, and that's kind of where it's at. And Annie's very busy with the company. Whereas the book really plays up where Annie is as far as her position in the company, which then leads to a, a, a more realistic explanation as to why Annie becomes somewhat jealous of May's meteoric rise throughout the book. I, I think that relationship is played out much, much more, at least as far as Annie's status. Um, whereas in the movie, you focus almost entirely on May, even though the relationship between Annie and May is, is much more important, which means when you get to the point where Annie starts to you know, go downhill a little bit because she's working too hard, because she's pushing herself, because she's feeling a little left behind or at least jealous of the attention, not attention, but the, you know, how much May is doing, then you just take a look at it as, well, she's just pushing herself too hard when you're watching the movie. When you read the book, there's a, there's a much bigger explanation as to why Annie goes into this downward spiral. And it's part of the the whole what the circle is doing creating these apps creating these projects where you know the circle is in at least in my opinion one of those books where the, the the entire moral of the story is very much you know the road to hell is paved with good intentions they have good ideas and those good ideas are you know when put on paper they sound like a good idea until you realize the outward ramifications of it the thing with Annie is that what really brings her down in the book is this app that they've designed in order to be able to trace your lineage back and, and see, you know, just really where you came from. And in the book, Annie's family is one of those comes from money, long history, long lineage kind of things. And when they start, when she starts to use this project, when she starts to really develop this all of a sudden, all these things come out about her past family. The fact that they were slave owners, the fact that they did basically these horrendous things, but they had money, so they were able to kind of bury it. As soon as this all becomes public, all of a sudden, Annie's realizing that she's being destroyed by the monster that she helped create. With May, she's so tunnel vision on, on and she's drank the Kool-Aid. <laughs> Let's just call the circle what it is. It's a computerized cult, right? She drank the Kool-Aid. That's exactly what I said when we was watching it. I was like, this is just like one of the biggest cults I've ever known. It was very, very scary. But I think something that we've mentioned on your podcast a couple of times, Jason, I feel that the book in itself is the book, but the film was never, ever going to do it justice and it this like the it would it would have been better being like a, a six part or an eight part drama where you can mm. build a bit of tension and you can build a bit of 
drama, so to speak. And, you know, you can develop the characters a lot more because, as, like, as you were just talking then about uh, Annie, it is Annie, isn't it? Am I right there? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, like, in the film, she's, you know, she's this high flyer. And then all of a sudden you, you kind of get the idea that Annie's jealous of May. And then next time you see her, she's completely pale-faced. Like, you don't know what's going on. You know, is she on drugs? Has she had no sleep? And then she's been, you know, she's been out of ordering meetings and so on and so forth. And it's like, well, what happened there? You know, there's a whole story, a whole plot line that's missing, uh, mm-hmm. which obviously in the book, you know, you've got all, all that thing going on in the book. But then it, it's like, all it looks like is that she's jealous of a friend. That's all it looks like. Where in an eight-part or an uh, eight-part drama, you can delve into these things a little more deeper and you can cross them over and it would have been probably a lot better. And it is interesting too because when you take a look at the way May is in the movie versus the way May is in the book, to, to take a look at the basically the way she's played out, Emma Watson is is a much more likable version of May. Uh, and I remember when we were, we always do this thing on our show for It's Not That Bad. We'll do like the almost star because every now and then they'll cast someone or they'll have someone in mind and for whatever reason, scheduling issues, it doesn't work out, so they have to go with like their second choice. Their first choice for May was Alicia Vikander from Ex Machina. And when you take a look at the way May is in the book, right? They're, they're, May May's not the pleasant character that they want that they made her out to be in the movie. The movie version, Emma Watson is perfect for it. I I think Alicia Vikander, if she was in it, they would have to go with a much more serious tone like they have May in the novel. I haven't seen Ex Machina, so I can't comment uh, on uh, on the actress. Uh, I I spent a lot of the film thinking, isn't that Christian Stewart? I was, <laughs> I was like, is it, is it Emma Watson? Is it Christian Stewart? I can't, I can't, I can't uh, really figure out which one it is. But I think like you said earlier on, like, who doesn't like Emma Watson? Who can't? Who doesn't like Emma Watson? Which is which is a fair point to to make. And she was likable up until the kayaking accident, and then she just went weird. And it was like like you said, she drank the Kool Aid. It was like there was a complete like, especially in the movie, a complete click of the finger change. And mm-hmm. then it was like then you start not liking anything or anyone, if you know what I mean, like because. There was a lot of the film, and I said to the missus, I said, this this reminds me of, of The Firm a little bit, uh, an episode that me and Richie did. What do you think, Rich? Um, no, it's nothing like well, The Firm. No, it's a completely you know, different no, story. No, oh, no, you, you're such a knobhead sometimes, aren't you? <laughs> no, but just, you know, the whole, you know, the person's got the job at the big company and there's a secret going on. And Yeah. If we're going to talk about the secret, right, first of all, right, let's just address Ty okay so in the movie this bloke starts chatting her up and then goes come with me to a secret cave under the ground and she goes okay then no problem and then he tells her who he is and she's like oh what nobody knows well surely tom hanks and uh pat wald uh oswald Patton knew who he was right and he's just like hanging around and what is angry that they've turned his stuff into something it, sh- it just it just didn't seem like they knew he was there well, that's what I mean. Like, they knew he was there, but, like, nobody else knew who he was. But, like, like they kind of pointed at, oh, this is a bit of a conspiracy. I'm just hiding here, and they're not using my true self for its true self. And it was like nothing actually happened with it other other than he looked on disappointingly at one point. Yeah. Oscar Wilde. Yeah. 
it, it, it's this is one of the things where the book and the the movie you know greatly differ is not just May's relationship with Ty, but I mean there's an entire storyline with Francis that is you know completely removed from uh, from the from the movie, which I kind of get. Francis is a little bit of a a creepy character, and and just to to explain, so Francis is this guy who you know May has a basically a, a sexual relationship with, you know, right out of the bat kind of thing. And it's and you know he not really he keeps spunking himself before anything happens. Yeah, well, <laughs> I I didn't say it was good, <laughs> but but basically, and then of course Ty is is you know kind of created this persona where he hasn't really told May who he is, but they keep on slinking off and having sex in this cave or in the bathroom or whatever the case may be, um, which you know he's somehow able to bypass all of the circles. Uh, sensors and cameras and the like and it's like just just reading may's interaction with with the two of them in the book it's like did she just come here like it's band camp and she's allison hannigan or is (laughs) (laughs) but the thing is i i think john boyega actually did a decent job as ty you know ty is supposed to be this this character who you know part of the 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 big three right there there's there's emon bailey uh, Tom Stenton and then Ty, um, Eamon Bailey being played by Tom Hanks. Tom Stenton's very much like the, uh, as played by Patton Oswalt, he's very much like the, you know, the the corporate gunslinger will, the guy who goes to Washington and deals with all the the politicians, greases the palms. You know, he's the guy doing all the backroom dealings. Eamon Bailey in the book and uh, you know in the movie as well um, comes across as this very, I don't want to say bill gates but more you know that that altruistic mindset again you know the the road to hell paved with good intentions because when when he talks about his son not being able to experience all these things so for people who go transparent i.e you know being broadcast all the time um as much as i want to say you know a la truman show you know he didn't know he was being broadcast so it's more like a Louis the Nineteenth, King of the Airways, which is actually a Canadian film, which you could tell inspired the Truman Show. Once they go transparent, then people who cannot go out and experience these wonderful things like mountain climbing and kayaking, um, they can experience it through video from people who do do that. So, it, it, in that essence, the idea of life transparency makes sense, but it it carries with it so much more. Um, Ty, you know, is is the guy who has created some of the, the basically created the circle, if you will, but clearly doesn't like the way that Tom and Iman are kind of going with it. So they basically give him like the, the cushiest job possible with zero responsibilities and a big paycheck. He's there, but they, they kind of overrule everything because he's off to do his own thing. It's... And yet it's almost that you can see Ty's the one that's that's a bit more ashamed because he's the one who created the beast and he doesn't really know how to bring it down. Well there was some I think there were some red flags well, very, very early on with like the camera thing, when it goes oh we've got this sea change, you've got this camera and look you can see here, here and here. And look, you've got all these cameras, hundred and forty cameras in this one area. It's like who's agreed to that? Surely that's like illegal that you've just put all these cameras up. You know, you know, surely someone is saying something. 
and then uh, in the movie you've got the the setter to go in yes we're gonna crack down and then like two minutes later she's being investigated it's like uh one of those is it and then like may she's like oh i know i've got a great idea why don't we force everyone to use it so that's the only way they can vote and then a bit later in the film they went yes 22 countries have already signed up you're like nobody's done that not even a dictatorship <laughs> like dictatorships are tell you to fuck off because they do it themselves and you wouldn't have like the uk or france or italy go that sounds like a really good idea. No, we have some bloke, Bob, Bob in a wheelchair, who sits in the voting booth for 12 hours ticking people off, and like once every four years, that's his job. You know what I mean? It's just like, it, it, was, it, it was getting a little bit too far-fetched for me, I think. I, I think where, that's where it could really, a series of this would actually do good, because... You know, you could see why a government would sign up with it if you understood the quid pro quo that the circle was offering them. If the circle was offering them access to all of their cameras and information, then that helps their their police forces and whatnot. That's where a government could sit there and say, you know what, if we work with the circle, then we have all this access and we can help prevent crime in our cities and whatnot. And that makes sense. But that in an hour and a half film you don't really have the time to explore that. They didn't really explore the why in the book. There's a problem you have, though, with a, with a company like that becoming a private company taking over that many things. Because, I mean, for instance, in the book, you've got that uh, section where you've got the aquarium and they've, they've swapped the original keeper. They've got rid of her and they've replaced her with this other bloke because she wouldn't do what they wanted her to do because she basically knew what was going to happen when the shark went in the tank. So they got rid of her and their words were, we don't want people working in here who think like that. We don't need people like that in here or in the circle. So immediately they're saying she's not in the circle. So they've, she's probably lost all of her accounts. She's probably not in the social system anymore which means she hasn't got access to all the stuff that's in the circle so if they're a private company they're allowed to do what the fuck they want it's their company so if they own everything suddenly they decide well we don't want you in the circle anymore you you could pretty much become homeless overnight you'd lose everything oh yeah pretty yeah pretty much mm-hmm yeah, I agree. So with the that. government couldn't allow that to happen. That's why Google can't Google and people like that can't become really any bigger than what they they already are. I, I think where the circle really kind of hits, though, and they really explain this more in the every. You know, think about this: how many programs have you installed on your computer where you just skim through the terms of service and hit "I agree" because you can't be bothered to read fifteen pages of terms All of service? Of them. Every time. Absolutely right, and that's where. Uh, the Every expands on that. In the sequel, The Every, uh, the, the girl that's on the inside trying to break it down basically feeds all these really, really bad ideas into the the great think machine that is The Every. Uh, apps that should, by, you know, by all rights, bring down a company for even trying to put it out into the ether. But yet people are so willing to not think for themselves that they're like, oh, the, the, this is going to tell me what I should eat? You know, that that's not you know, breaking some cardinal social rule. Great. I'm going to do this and I'm just going to eat that. And this app is going to tell me when I need to get up and walk around. And it's going to tell me when I'm using the same words over and over again. And it's going to tell me this and that to the point where people can no longer make their own choices because they're so reliant on their computers and their phones to tell them exactly what to do. That's where uh, the movie, I think, plays a little bit. When they come up with that, you know, that, you know, 
true match or, or whatever the the find the person app is and they hunt down the the fugitive in the uk that's where you also get like the the mob mentality of online communities people who are just like oh yeah i'm gonna get in i'm gonna i'm gonna track this person down and all that and, and you see it you see people getting oh, yeah. canceled for something that happened 20 years ago mm-hmm. and well yeah. you know 20 years ago they were a different person entirely so you see that it's almost like in the first avengers film and i'm sorry this is the second avengers you know reference i've dropped on this episode carry on but i'm a geek you know so but it's (laughs) it's it's loki standing amongst everyone going you 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 crave subjugation and you can see these people who are basically like you know i will i will agree to every single term of service whatsoever you're you're basically acquiescing to the technology i think every aspect of what the circle were doing whether it was was it soul search um soul search and the fugitive search and all of that kind of stuff and and the circle and the voting and every everything that they discussed was on on the basis of it was a good idea but when like in application it's a terrible idea that's communism isn't it if you look at communism uh, and Karl Marx's uh, vision of communism on paper it's absolutely beautiful but in practicality it's not and everything this is the same in theory it looks good and uh yeah, yeah, but in application, no, because there's too, too many people who who wouldn't want that. But those people are the people that stop communism from working. Those people are the people that are going to stop the circle from working. So they need to eliminate them, or they have to try and force them on board. I suppose it's a bit like, um, I suppose you could liken it in a way to uh, capital punishment. I mean, we don't kill our prisoners or anything like that in uh, the UK. And sometimes there might be someone who's really heinous and you go, like, that geezer deserves it, he proper needs it. Like, just bring you back for him, you know what I mean? Like, say, like an Ian Huntley or someone like that. But there's always that, what if the person's innocent? And then you've got that, well, actually, you know, I'd rather people to serve the whole prison life terms than someone innocently die and i suppose that's a kind of a similar thing to this like it's it's all a great idea until you go actually practically it's not very good at all and there will all be and i think like especially on some of the applications that we're talking about like for instance that soul search what you could be found anywhere at any time and it and there was the point uh the bit in the book she went to the health clinic or, or the health centre, and she, or, or no, she was talking to the woman at the party, and she's like, "Yeah, we just put chips in people's bones." So you're like, "You fucking do what?" <laughs> and she was like, "Yeah, well, it, well, it, it, it like eliminates ninety nine percent of kidnappings." It's like, I don't give two fucks. Like, I mean, but at the same time, you're like, "Oh yeah, do you want anyone kidnapped?" No, but do you want everyone chipped up? No. That was the diff- the, the difference between the book and the film as well. Um, in in the film. Although she did drink the Kool-Aid for a little bit, in the book, she was fully immersed and she was she, she was the Kool-Aid for pretty much most of the book. There, it was just a little bit in the film. She, she was a bit dubious and she wasn't quite on board before, you know, at the start. And there's a little bit in the, in the middle where yeah, that accident with the kayak and she loses it a bit. And then as soon as the car accident happens... She's fully out of. She she doesn't give a shit. She's taking down the company, which in essence is completely different from the uh, 
from the book because in the book she was just a she was like a Karen. Yeah, but that doesn't <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, but that doesn't sell tickets, does it? Emma Watson being a nutter doesn't sell tickets particularly. You have to have some form of happy ending. It's like, for instance, have you ever seen The Darkest Hour with Gary Oldman? I have not actually. It's basically based on when Churchill takes control, uh, becomes prime minister uh, during the Second World War and England are losing or the Allied forces are losing against Germany. Germany are much more powerful. They've got better weaponry. They've got more men. And there's a lot of people going, look, you know, we need to make a deal with with Hitler. We can't we can't go on. And America are going, well, we ain't giving you the planes that, that you've paid for because we can't get involved. And this, that, the other, all that kind of stuff. And it ends, it just like, kind of ends. It just, that's the end. And you're like oh, like, are you going to give me a little bit about, like, what happened? Like, even though we know what happened at the end of the war, it's like, are you going to put some, like, writing up and going, this happened? It's like, no. It's like, bastard. I've just watched this film for two fucking hours and there's no ending, even though, like, I know what happens at the end. It's a bit like watching the Titanic and it finishes before the fucker sinks. You know what I mean? It's like, shit, there's, <laughs> there's no ending. No, but that, that's how the film felt. It's like, there's no ending. Like, nothing's happened. Okay, she might have gone, ooh, everyone's going transparent. The end. Well, are they? Yeah, it's the first time I've ever read a book (coughs) where the ending's pissed me off because it hasn't had an ending. Well, most books have an ending. You don't... You get it in films a lot. You can watch an amazing film. You can watch a film. It's the best film you've ever watched in the world. And then the last two minutes can ruin the whole film for you because it's not a proper ending. This is the first book I've come across where that... that's how it ends. Well, actually, I mean, sorry, uh, before you jump in, Jason, actually, I think I think Limitless was kind of like that a little bit in the book. I mean, in the book, he was sitting in a hotel room, basically waiting to get caught or to die, wasn't he? Uh, and there wasn't really, the, the ending is ambiguous. Does he die? Does he get caught by the police? It, yeah, that leaves it to your own imagination. This is, she. this just ends with her fully immersed and fully, fully, you know, taken on board. Plugged into I the mean, matrix. Plugged into the <laughs> matrix. Yeah, I mean, she. Did, but when the accident happens, when uh, Mercer goes off the cliff in the film, she takes like God knows how long off work, and she goes back to her mom's and she unplugs from the matrix. In the in the book, now she just stays plugged in. Yeah, it's um. Yeah, I, was, I don't know. Maybe maybe the book wasn't written for people like me and you, Richie. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I, I think the book can be appreciated uh, more if you're if, if you watch shows like Black Mirror. When, when you watch a show like that, you know it's not going to be a happy ending. You know that this is basically like you could see how the circle and Black Mirror kind of kind of go hand in hand. And if the circle were basically re- rewritten as an episode of Black Mirror, then you could easily see an ending where May is sitting there looking at Annie who's in a coma because she's so stressed out because of this app, this project that has basically revealed her family's sordid history and she's completely gone off the rails. And there's May sitting there full Kool-Aid, complete full Kool-Aid, going, you know what, we should create an app that allows people to see what she thinks about and what she dreams about while she's in a coma. I was so just even, about to say the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, like even in a, a comatose vegetative state, I think they should. Have, I, I think they should have pitched this to Charlie Brooker. To be fair, I think if he, he'd have done it as a, an hour episode, it would have been far. It would have been much better. Oh, absolutely! But you can actually see why May goes. You know, 
as as far as as far cooler as she goes in the movie because there's an intoxication in the idea that what you do actually changes the world. They are of this mindset and they're being fed it every day, you know, with the with the presentations that Bailey is doing and whatnot, and that complete positive, like we're here to change the world. And if you're young and you're eager and you're you're entering this world and you think that what you're doing is helping people expand their horizons and making the world a better place that's an intoxicating idea especially when you're in basically the bubble that is the circle campus we haven't even talked about what it's like outside the circle for her because her parents are trying to get by typical blue collar her dad has ms uh by the way i think that it was played greatly by bill paxton and and glenn and glenn healy uh mercer i could have done without with in the movie because when you read the book you realize in the movie, Mercer's like the puppy dog that followed May around because he always wanted to be with her kind of thing and helps out her parents. In the book, it's like ex-boyfriend and he just won't freaking go away. Mercer's unlikable in the book. He's supposed to be. He's just kind of a, you know, he's kind of a drag in the movie. But if you're in that environment of the circle campus and everyone around you is so like rah-rah circle, we're going to change the world. What we're doing is important you're going to feel that you know you're going to want to buy into that so may in the movie makes sense because she's so surrounded by it and it's only when something tragic happens mercer's death the car crash off the bridge that reality slaps her she doesn't really get that reality slap in the book even though mercer dies she doesn't really care because she doesn't like mercer in the first place in the book i preferred mercer in the book Nurse in the book, even though he was more of a, a jock, let's say, he, he had more character, he had more depth, he, he, was, he had more of a philosophy on life. Most of the time, even though he was meant to be an unlikable character, I agreed with most of what he was saying. Uh, whereas in the film, he was just, like you say, just that puppy dog who just had no aspirations and just got on with his life and even even in the 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 death scenes were completely different in the film he tried to swerve away from a drone and he shit himself and went off the cliff in the book i like that it's kind of like he wasn't going to give in to this new life he, he accepted he, he said that i've accepted that you know you've won this is the way it's going to be in the future and it she said it says he saw that you could see the serenity in his face. Something changed, and he, he became peaceful. And he had like a serene look on his face. And he just turned and said, "Fuck it." You know, he, he chose to go off the cliff in the book. It was an accident in the film. You can see Mercer in the book actually almost pushing her away, like giving her leave of him. You know, with all these letters and whatnot. How basically, like, I know you're never going to change. I know this is your, this is you now, and this isn't the person. This isn't the maid that I knew. So in the book, you can see why May is a bit more disconnected with from Mercer's death. In the movie, it hits her like this is the catalyst. This is this is this is that reality slap. It's I completely agree. Although I will say. There was one scene in the movie that wasn't really in the book, and that's when Mercer comes to see her at the campus uh, shortly after she puts out the picture of these, you know, these antler chandeliers. And you can just see how 
he's upset with her because of, of doing that and all the unwanted attention that, that he's now getting. And you just see people start to you know flick out their phones like they do at every single crime scene ever now and just start filming the interaction, right? Like just fly on the wall. I'm going to broadcast this argument for other people's enjoyment. I, I wish that scene was in the book because that really played up the mob mentality that the circle was encouraging. I suppose he was writing that in 2012 where stuff like that wouldn't necessarily be the case. I think what they did was kind of lay it on quite thick throughout the film, like scenes like Because I was watching that and I was like, what the bloody hell are they doing? Like, why are people just filming? You know, it's two people speaking. They weren't even arguing particularly. They weren't shouting or anything. And it's like, why are people doing that? And then obviously with the death in the film, the way that he dies in the film, and then like virtually the next time that they're at the circle they've gone oh well we could have prevented that by having this technology and it's just like they're just they're laying it on really thick it's like you like you don't care about the guy who, like, who you've literally just caused the death of what you're doing is you, you're putting a positive bin going we can create technology to stop you from going over a bridge it was just lay on thick lay on thick lay on thick all the way through the film but she drank all of it in the book she, in the book they was laying it on the even thicker in the book you know those banging on about it even while she was grieving True. he was he was trying to sell new products to us like we could do this and we could do that we could do this we could do that I know you're grieving but we could do this we could do that she, she just drank it all in and she was just a, a knob do you know what I hated about the film everything well no yes no everything yes <laughs> uh, but 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 when they're at when they're at the party on the evening Beck's on stage for like four seconds and you're like well, what was the point in that like Every film does that. I know, we can have a concert, but let's have someone who's remotely famous from 30 years ago and put him on. And he's on there like five seconds. It's like, couldn't you just have an actor playing a musician? Did you really need to be Beck? Did it? No, it didn't. I I just find it funny because that's the second time Beck has appeared in a Karen Gillan film because he pops up in uh, The Bubble, which is on Netflix right now. Oh, really? I've not seen that. I do like (laughs) Karen Gillan. I uh, I, I will check it out. I don't understand why, if they're going to use Hermione, Hermione Granger, dickhead, if they're going to use, <laughs> if they're going to use Emma Watson, why does she have to have an American accent? If you've got a British, if you've got an English actress, what, why can't she be English? The other, the other, Annie was Annie was Scottish. Yeah, exactly. So you can't have too many because it's an American film. Well, get an American fucking actress then. But they wanted Emma Watson. It makes no sense to me. It just makes no sense. There's so many good American actresses. Why choose Emma Watson? If you can use Emma Watson, she's a British act- actress. Use her because she's British. She, she was yeah, probably because she was like. That's like saying you can't have any British person ever do an American accent. Or Gary Gary Oldman can only be British in every film. Patrick Stewart can only be British. In my opinion, yeah, I don't see the point. I don't see the point. If you're going to get an American... That's why you a- don't make films, Richard. There's so many good American actors out there. Why do you have to have a British person pretending well, because, to be one? Because half the time, because, that, that sounds shit anyway. Because because her previous six films grossed about $4 billion. It was the other one you compared it to, Christian... Um... Uh, yeah, Christian, Christian Stewart. They literally look the same, I think, mm. personally. I mean, but I, she's, I, I but, completely but, agree, but though, with that. But isn't, but isn't she an American who has done British accents? In Wasn't in, in uh, Charlie's Angels, wasn't she doing a British accent in Charlie's I Angels? I just disagree with that. I don't see the point in it. I I, it's called range, you dickhead. 
That that's like when they took uh, Broadchurch, uh, the show with David Tennant, and then they did it for the American audience called a Grace Point, but they kept David Tennant in the same role but made him have an American accent. Like, why? oh, was it any good? Was it good or was it rubbish? <sighs> I'd rather watch Broadchurch. <laughs> rather watch Broadchurch. I meant, I meant, I meant the accent. <laughs> I mean, oh, I mean Dave, David Tennant can do pretty much anything, and, I, and I'm all here for it. I mean, he is the reason why the first season of Jessica Jones was as good as it was, and that's nothing against Kristen Ritter, but oh, he was so good. He was so good. Um, did you uh, have you seen Bad Samaritan? Not yet. It's on my list oh. of movies to watch, oh. but yeah, yeah. Well, it's literally well, it's literally the same character in in Jessica Jones. He hasn't got any powers. Uh, only only the power of persuasion, but not supernatural powers of persuasion it's very good um i think he started making a living of of being a bad person uh which he does very well actually well between that and staged i'm all for staged that 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 has been that that show has gotten me through the last two and a half years (laughs) i i will watch that more times than i care to admit yeah i saw a i saw a thing uh once uh about uh, like doctor who fans like doctor who's married doctor who's daughter Mm -hmm. because he's married to is it uh what's his face it's, it's Peter Davidson's daughter, That's Georgia. That's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, ma- he's married to her, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. So, 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 so ten married funny. five's daughter, yep. <laughs> that was pretty cool. Uh, there was the other part that, that well, not that I found annoying, but like would have got me the sack in the film you know when she's um when she's at a desk and those two people come over and they're like oh uh you weren't at work the weekend and she's like nah i was kayaking and like what have you told no one why and they're like oh well you should do this and you should do that and there's a hundred groups and why aren't you here and i was like like if it was me i'd just be like right oh the fuck off now i'm gonna have to like kick you in the dick which one is it but that's the funny thing, though, is those two characters and, and that scene is pretty much pulled f- straight from the book, and put into the movie, like copy paste, all good as far as dialogue goes. Those two are definitely the cautionary tale. That's when you sit there and go, oh, it's a cult. I get it now. Um, and it makes sense. Absolutely makes sense. You know, if, if that is the culture that the circle has bred in amongst their young workers, then absolutely those two people would exist. And also, when um, when she first starts the job, and she's basically I don't know customer relations or whatever, and he's like, "Yeah, uh, we aim for a hundred. That's what you've got to aim for." And then he gets the ninety nine, and he goes, "I'm just going to ask her why." Like, no one gives a fuck. I'll give you ninety nine, mate. Go away. I ain't changing my school. You know what I mean? And he's just like, it was kind of like a hundred was the minimum. You know. Like, you're never going to please everyone all of the time. So why is the 100 the minimum? Like, surely make it 95 and we're all right, you know what I mean? Because there's people out there who are a bit knobby. There are Karens. So, you know, there's always going to be a, a shorter score than 100. You can't have 100 every time, surely. Well, I mean, there there's the the absolutionist of, of the circle, right? It's got to be all or nothing we are the best there is no other kind of thing and in a company where it's completely data driven right these aren't people that they're dealing with in their minds they're analytics they they are human numerical representations of of service of of everything that they're doing so you can see how in a company like that you are driven entirely by um 
not necessarily the, the the amount of work you do, but the results shown. That that's the one thing in the the every that they kind of play up in that people have started to game the system on the inside, where it's like I'm going to maintain a 100%, but I'm not going to do as much work, so my ratings are better as uh, opposed to my my. They're going for quality over quantity, but then the quantity suffers. Yes, yes. But all yeah, they yeah. see is the quality. All they see is, you know, the, the, the five stars, the 100% kind of thing. I get that as well. And it's just like, but I suppose I'm, I come from the opposite side where you're not going to please everyone all of the time, are you? Oh, you can't. But, but their thing is, you know, they're going to try anyways. And it's almost as if, you know, if, if someone gives them a 99 or a 98% and all of that, and then they come back and say, hey, just double check and make sure you were fully satisfied. Part of the the every it's, it's kind of like Twitter as well, right? Where they'll th- you know, well they're they're smiley and they'll and they'll sham it kind of thing. It's it's like having a YouTube channel, right? You either thumbs up or thumbs down, and the more thumbs up your videos are, the better it is for the algorithm. If someone were to give you uh, a, that four star rating, you come back and go, uh, just curious why you give me a four star rating, then you know all of a sudden you're almost shaming them for giving you a realistic rating right so it, when you realize that as you read the book too you realize just how and especially in the every how much shame aggregate is involved in the way they push these products and you know take a look at the the impact of everything that they do i mean you see it now, right? Oh, you can't buy this. It's made here. Or you can't do this because the, the person who runs that company, they supported Trump or whatever, right? Like, you know, I hate to bring that into it, but it, it's a real thing where like people are not going to these things because of some level of shame aggregate. But it, it takes out the equation of the, just the person who runs their business and whether they support one candidate or another or whether they believe one thing or another it doesn't matter. Did you like the hot dog? Yes, five stars. It's all good. <laughs> well, we had uh, we had some uh, we had some protests. It wasn't last year, maybe a couple of years ago, and uh, some people pulled down a, a statue and the statue of the chap. He was uh, he was like um, involved in slave trading back in the seventeen hundreds or whatever. And like, you can kind of on one part, I get it. You know, this guy represents slave trading, so there shouldn't really be a statue. However, there's a better way than just going and ripping it down and throwing it in the sea, putting a, a protest together or or a letter to say, let's get this taken down because it's not really fair. Because what happened then um, was all sorts of statues were getting attacked and like Churchill's statue was getting attacked. And I know that he'd done some not great things in the past, but like then, like, then you get like a load of like, you know, skinheads go down to protect the statue, which causes even more aggro. And you're just like, you know, there's a lot to being said to being in the center. You see that in the States too. And, you know, these are the kind of things that make me happy. I'm Canadian, but you start to see it as well here. (laughs) Uh, You know, you, you see statues of Confederate generals being torn down because people look at the past and go, well, this is wrong, but you're looking at it through the lens of 2022 as opposed to the lens of, of, Uh absolutely. Right. And uh, 
you take a look at especially that whole like you know i need 100 percent on this survey or this post survey kind of thing this shows that people forgot how to meh the word <laughs> meh is probably the most powerful world out there people have yeah. forgotten how to meh and you know being shamed into not giving a hundred percent score it, it goes right there like it's okay you can be meh about something and not have a big good or bad it's just meh well i think it's a i was talking to someone else the other day about things that are tradition like you have traditions and whether those traditions hold up in today's day and age like in this country we have we still have fox hunting and for want of a better word it's a tradition that's gone back centuries uh and if you're on the side of animals not being ripped apart by dogs then yeah it's a bad thing and it should be stopped and if you're on the side of well you know it keeps the population down and it stops them from attacking our wildlife and da, 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 all that kind of stuff but like it's like for instance there's another tradition that we used to do up until maybe the last 10 years or so was blackface and we uh, there's a, there's a festival in cornwall where when the when the uh, when the people from the west indies would come in they would come into cornwall in the uk because that's kind of where the first port was and people would celebrate and they would put blackface on and they would have a big festival and music you know oh no it's not nothing racist you know it's all done in good kindness uh, but now blackface is you know completely uh you know it's unacceptable but uh, i think uh, your prime minister had a bit of a issue with that as well didn't he yeah yeah he did when, when, he did when, <laughs> but but then again he did it when he was in college for a play and it was yeah. probably acceptable at that time. But then he's getting shit for it like 15, 20 years later. You're like, well, yeah. I did it and, when it was that, in the time when it was acceptable. Yeah. He, he, it's like, yep, I did it. It was a long time ago. Clearly, clearly, I was not as educated as I am now. That, that basically should have been the response at that point. Like, and, you know, to, to his credit, yeah, he's like, yep, yeah, no, this, this, this happened. And it was, in hindsight, it wasn't the smartest choice. And, you know, that, that, you don't see me doing it today. Um, like, even... Uh, a show like 30 Rock, you know, has gone back and pulled some of their episodes off of streaming services because, again, in hindsight, some of the, the humor that was done on those shows seen through the lens of today is not appropriate. But again, that, that comes up with that that shame aggregate that we see in the of circle. Of course, 100%. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's Yeah. And that's the, you know, uh, well, I suppose that's the whole, that was the whole point of what we were saying, really, wasn't it? It's that shame. I, I like it, shame aggregate. I think I'm going to keep that. However, in the circle, that wouldn't happen. You wouldn't have, uh, you wouldn't have the uh, cancel culture. You wouldn't have the uh, episodes of this and episodes of that being pulled because you can't delete anything. And that's, that's very, very that's true. true. That, that yeah, is true. What, once it's part of the public record, it, it is, should be there forever. But then, but then everyone has to be a robot, doesn't that? that everyone yeah. has to be a robot and are afraid of anything. I think we've kind of covered most of the stuff there. We end up going around in circles. This is the time where we ask if you could replace one of the actors with a different actor, uh, would you replace anyone or would you keep the cast exactly how they are? Honest to God, I think they did an amazing job of getting who they did for that shit show of a film. <laughs> I think the only person I might change might be Eller Coltrane who played Mercer and it's it's nothing against him it's just the way that the character was written I think I'd rewrite the character a bit more to to, to match the tonality of of Mercer in the book how he's the you know the, the 
the ex-boyfriend who's really against everything that May is doing. And you know, you might want someone who's a bit more more gruff, I think. And um the name escapes me right now, but the guy who plays Jason Stackhouse from True Blood, I think, would have been a good a good, you know, person for that role if they made Mercer more like he is in the book. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, Ryan Quanten. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see that. I could see that, yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, I don't think I would have changed anyone in particular, only because nobody really got enough screen time other than May. To, I mean, like, for instance, Tom Hanks, I think he was completely wasted, although they've probably gone, do you want five million quid for two weeks' work? And he went, yeah, I do, yeah. Please. Well, it does make sense that Tom Hanks was also in A Hologram for the King, the movie that yes. was made based on that uh-huh. Dave Eggers book. But I do think that, you know, if you take a look at how Eamon Bailey plays in the in the book and the movie, Tom Hanks, they, they could not have found a better uh, actor for that role. And I thought I thought Patton Oswalt was, um, was very well cast. Yeah, I think I, I wish they had flushed out Ty a bit more and given John Boyega more to work with. But I also I also really love the chemistry between Emma Watson and Karen Gillan. Like the two of them, you yeah. could see where the friendship between me and Annie, you know, was at that point. And I, I think Karen Gillan did a phenomenal job. Yeah. Um, if you could pick a soundtrack or a song to accompany the film, is the one that you've got in your mind? As I was say, if I, if I were to pick a song that would that would go well on this kind of soundtrack uh i think leonard cohen's everybody knows would be a phenomenal choice for this yeah it's a good pick yeah as far as far as soundtrack goes for this film i'd, I'd need something indie some something i don't know something acoustic-y um, indie singer-songwriter um, i don't know you know i'd i'd, I'd slap a, i'd slap a load of um a load of 90s uk indie crap like republica or uh, you know that kind of stuff like ready to go or whatever just that kind of indie pop shed seven for a bit of that on space bit of that i think massive attack oh massive attack would be good Actually, yeah. that would be a very good choice yeah yeah i like that yeah yeah i changed my mind now i'd have massive <laughs> attack i'd have massive attack mm. um uh, I think is that it? Is that all the questions we do at the end? We do the soundtrack. We do the change of the actor. No, what well, if you could change anything in the film? What would you change? Oh, go on then. What would you change, Jason? I, I think definitely, as I mentioned before, I think Mercer's uh, character would definitely have to change more in line with the with the book. Make him, you know. But then you also have to, you know, bring May down a little bit, which is which is unfortunate because I think they actually improved on May from the book into the film and created a way for her to to at least come around and and see that the circle shouldn't be what it is. But I, I think you guys are right in that this this book should have been turned into a series. I think it would make a phenomenal, maybe not Black Mirror esque, but at least Black Mirror tonality type series. I think, I, I think, I think it. No, I don't think. I don't think I'd want to watch a whole series. I think it just needed someone like. I think it needed an episode uh, of Black Mirror. You give this to Charlie Brooker. Give him an hour, maybe, and uh, Charlie Brooker could have smashed this. No, but the thing is, I think. I think what you're missing there is we'd never watch this film anyway if we wasn't doing this podcast. And like, what, like, like with a series, what you could do, you could have like 
for instance, not necessarily an individual episode on each person, but look, Mercer could be explored more. So, for instance, when that came out, when that when that picture went out of his antler thing, you could have people in the street going, "Oh, can I have one of those? Can I have one of those?" And then, "Oh, you fucking dare kill him, motherfucker!" And all you know that that kind of. And then then what you've got there is the fifty fifty lot we were just saying. Then about being in the centre, you've got that half of the people going, "Oh, that's great artwork. Can I have some?" And then the other going, "You dare kill him, bastard!" And then you know you could you could have the inner turmoil between their parents where you can see them going oh you know we're worried about May and Mercer's such a nice guy and this that the other and you could have all of the like you could have the secret meetings between um, uh, between Hanks and um, uh, Oswald and you know the tension building there you could have a subplot with Ty trying to bring them down from the inside you could have all of that and it would be a completely different thing and be more exciting to watch uh, maybe maybe not as satisfying but maybe more interesting I think the, the the movie could be turned into a series, but the problem with that is that the the, the movie itself and the book as well is so bubbled onto May's journey. I think this can work as a series if you're not telling May's story, but if you're telling the stories of different people that are being affected by the apps that are created by the circle. So the circle is mm. almost this, you know, this, you this into the face. Twilight Zone. It's the t- it's your Twilight Zone idea, isn't it? Again, Jason. Maybe not quite, but 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 very much like the circle is the ever present, um, omnipotent kind of you know enemy, if you will, the villain of each episode, and it's the effect of their creations on different people. So you can you can you can almost anthologize mm. a series based on the circle, but just not focused on me. You can still have may appearing on like tv screens and billboards very similar to like a blade runner type feel but it's it's the effect of the circle on people i think that series would work well you know i've got it i've got it it's it's 20 bucks meets the circle and each week you have it passes on the whatever happens to that person because of the circle kind of then passes on to the next person whether it just be you know the person lost their mind or they were rude to someone or they were good to someone and it's kind of that that 20 bucks feel that just passes on and goes on and goes on and goes on i think me and you should really go start a production company and just steal everyone else's ideas and come up with better stuff <laughs> done i love it i love it but if, if i'm if i may uh, and help your use of this because you've been on is not that bad. I know something that we do on our show is every every movie that we talk about, we bring up an MVP. So if I had to, if I had to ask the both of you, and I, I I know Richie, I know you're not the biggest fan of this movie, but if you had to pick one MVP from the film, who would you pick? May. She's the main character. She's the only one that really stands out. Like you said earlier, nobody else really has enough airtime to... uh, I suppose Tom Hanks, he plays that part really well. He plays the part perfectly, but he doesn't get enough screen time for it to really flourish or... My choice would be May's parents. I know it's two people, but I think Mm. they're kind of one character. And I think they're they're the middle ground in the whole film. They're the people, they, they support the daughter, they want the daughter to do well whether it be work whether it be romance and then they you know they get involved they've got the watches on they're they're being shown on the screens and then they catch a like the the wife pumping the dad's dick i mean i didn't get that with the pump i'm not quite sure what was going on there uh but as soon as that happened and then you saw the cameras are gone the watches are gone and they were like you know we love you but like 
you can't be doing this shit anymore and I think they were they were probably and probably because it's Bill Paxton as well that I think they were the they were the standout characters for me in the film yeah and I, and I think I'm, I'm, I know on my podcast I think I, I mentioned Tom Hanks was probably my MVP but in now that I've read the book and seeing the characterization at least the the, tr- the translation of character from page to screen I think Karen Gillan was probably the one that, that nailed it the best in bringing you know even though they didn't tell Annie's full story in the movie I think the essence of what Annie's full story was was definitely brought across by Karen Gillan who would your MVPs be in the book would it be the same characters ooh that that's a little different um I, I think May would have to be my MVP from the book only because it, it was so centered on her. Um, and I, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I mean, as far as the ending goes, I know, I know you guys weren't too happy with the, the book's ending, but I like that ending where it's like, yes, nothing gets wrapped up in a nice little bow in life. And you see how May has gone full, uh, you know, full Kool-Aid, if you will, by the way, in the every, may still in the every she's the ceo she takes she's taken over from from bailey so you can see the, the progression spoiler alert spoiler spoiler, spoiler alert. alert spoiler alert well the thing is it, it the story the book the every doesn't focus on may it focuses on another woman who goes into the every to bring it down from the inside so you know it's, it's not exactly a spoiler but may is definitely even though she's barely in the book her presence is ever present okay Okay, okay. So, um, well, I think we've come to the end of the podcast. Uh, Jason, thank you very, very much for joining us. Uh, it would be very happy to have you back on at another point. Oh, would love to. It was so much fun. And if our followers and our listeners want to find you and your podcast, where can they go? Uh, you can hear the podcast wherever you download your podcast, whether it be uh, Spotify, Apple, Good Pods. By the way, if you're listening to this podcast right now on Good Pods, make sure you give them five stars or if Phelps going to like, you know, come after you and ask you. Did, were you not satisfied? We'll, we'll shame aggregate your, your rating here. So five stars only for adapted to screen. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at NotThatBadCast. And that goes for us as well. Good pods. We're in the charts and everything at the moment, so... Uh, well, it's very strange with the uh, with the with the good pods rating because because we'll pop up in the art section, we'll pop up in the in the fiction section, we'll pop up in the indie charts and stuff like that. It's always nice to see uh, our podcast up there doing well i don't really think it reflects on listeners but uh <laughs> on listens particularly uh, but it's uh, always nice to see you uh, see yourself in the charts there so good pods is always a, a good platform to use especially to find other independent podcasters as well but jason once again thank you very much for your time um and uh we'll be listening to you and speaking to you again at some point surely absolutely and, and remember the uh, the invite is always open to both of you. you guys want to come on it's not that bad just bring a bad movie and we'll watch it and we'll dissect it well thank you both again this has been an absolute um, blast and I look forward to our next one do, do we don't really we don't have any idea who the next one is yet really do we um not particularly we've got lots of irons in the fire uh, with a lot of very good potential guests, but I have a feeling, Richie, it's just going to be me and you next time, brother. Oh, oh, I tell you what, should we do a little poll? Because I really want to do Die Hard or Commando. I don't really give a shit. Or Rambo. 
We'll do, yeah, we'll do an action film for next one then. Yeah, I think so. If we do either Commando or because I got my ten-year-old daughter to watch um, Rambo the other day and she quite enjoyed it, so I'm going to try and get her to watch Commando. Hang on, is Commando a book? Am I making that up? I'm not. I'm not sure. Uh, I think. I think that Commando was meant to be uh, a Die Hard sequel. I think. No, I'm sure Commando is a book. Have I made that up? I'm Who sure knows? we'll work it out for the next one. Yeah, fuck it. Excellent. Well, again, thank you, Phil. Thank you, Jason. It's been an absolute pleasure. So until next time, this has been the Adapted Screen Podcast, and we've been talking about The Circle, the book versus the film. How would you describe what The Circle is to, say, your grandmother? It's the chaos of the web made elegant. Speed round, Paul or John? Early Paul, late John. Mario or Sonic? Early Sonic, late Mario. Needs of the society or needs of the individual? Should be the same. You're most scared of? Unfulfilled potential. I am a believer in the perfectibility of human beings. When we are our best selves, the possibilities are endless. At the circle, there isn't a problem that we cannot solve. We can cure any disease and we can end hunger without secrets, without the hoarding of knowledge and information. We can finally realize our potential. Circlers, do you like to share? We will see it all. If it happens, we'll know. Imagine the human rights implications. There needs to be accountability. What is this? The circle has the power to change everything. It's only our lies that get us in trouble. Things we hide. We care about everybody you care about. Because knowing is good. But knowing everything is better.